Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast. And today I am joined and we'll be hanging out with a lovely friend of mine, Michael Majorano. But before we get started, I want to show love to our amazing community. Let me know where you're tuning in from in the comments below so I can say, hey, show you love and give you a shout out on this lovely Thursday. Man, the week is blowing by. How are you staying safe and healthy at home? How's work going? Talk to me in the comments and I will show you love. And also let me know where you are viewing and tuning in from. I always love how every time we have one of these pod, live podcasts, people watching from all over the world. I think that's just money. So with that said, Talk to us in the comments. Let me hear from you and see how you are doing, what's going on, and show you some love from where you're tuning in from. With that said, while you do that, I want to go ahead and introduce our phenomenal guest for today's episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guy podcast. He's a guy that I actually met through the internet, and I'm sure a lot of you have internet friends similar to I, but Michael, Michael is a terrific guy. He is a go-to-market and growth consultant for education tech and future of work startups. His career mission is to grow education technology companies that close the opportunity and achievement gap and give learners of all ages the ability to reach their ultimate potential. And what's so interesting about Michael, too, is the fact that he's actually gotten a chance to meet Barack Obama. <laughs> once, which is really cool. Shout out to my co-founder, Taban, who's tuning in from Seattle, Washington. Shout out to my homie, Carlos Campos, MBA, who's tuning in from Los Angeles, California. I hope you're staying safe and healthy, Carlos. And shout out to Roy, who is tuning in from D.C. Shout out to D.C. And shout out to Charles as well, who says, hey, Mr. Future of Work. What's good, Charles? I hope you are well. So without further ado, I want to bring on the homie, Michael. What's up, Michael? Hey, Tim. Good to see you, man. How's it going? How are you hanging in there in the era of COVID-19? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm just um, trying to make the most of it. Uh, it's, it's weird, though. I haven't seen anyone other than my roommate in three months. I saw, yeah. I saw my friend came by and did like a run by and was six minutes away, or six minutes away. Um, yeah. but I, I haven't seen anyone, so I've, I've talked to people and done Zoom yeah. calls. Isn't it, isn't it starting to feel like such a blur? I've done like I'm doing Zoom calls or Google Hangout calls every single day, and I'm just starting to be like, dude, are these people even really? <laughs> it's like it's almost like we're living in a simulation right now, man. I know, I know that's the world that we're in. Right. So, Mike, you know, I would love for you to kind of tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, how you got passionate about education technology and kind of what led you to doing the work that you that you do. I know I, I know your story personally, but I would love for you to share with um, our amazing UTFOW community, man. Yeah, absolutely. And just in the in the spirit of being uh, open and vulnerable, I want to I want to say I'm not always sure where I look. Do I look into the I look into the camera? Right. That's yeah. 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 All right. I just want to look it up into space, but yeah. So Tim, my, my story kind of started in, in college. So um, I was, I went to university of Michigan. Um, I, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. Um, yeah. I changed majors a bunch and stuff like that. But um, I just, I really appreciated like the value of education myself in a few ways. One in terms of just knowing how much I, 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 how much opportunity I had with my education and then 
seeing kind of the path of other people I knew who didn't have those opportunities and some of the struggles that they had. So um, it, be- it started off just as that, as that seed. And then it became this bigger interest where um, I ended up uh, working in an organization that did test prep for uh, mm. students and communities that didn't have many resources. And um, throughout the time I was at Michigan, we grew that test prep organization to involve about 400 students at University of Michigan, and then uh, another thousand or so students who are, who are uh, you know, uh, the learners, the people that we, we tutored. And we, we, we were able to treat it like a real venture despite being in college and uh, did, did, had great results for the, the students. They, a lot of them improved their scores. And that led me to what you mentioned. Um, I was, uh, had the opportunity to meet the Obama uh, administration, got to meet Barack Obama, and um, also got to meet other young people who are interested in education and doing yeah. different things in the space. And that was in 2012. And that's really since then, I've just been immersed in the space and uh, really, really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So shout out to our amazing viewers, Megan, who's tuning in from Memphis. She's a frequent UTFOW viewer. Megan, we love you and we appreciate you. Shout out to you. And shout out to Sanaz, who's tuning in from LA, California. And you know, the, the, the topic of focus of our conversation today is on Zen leadership. And you know, Michael, I, I really want to talk to you about one thing. One, you know, why did you get so passionate about education? Because I know you you're a guy, you know, when you see the inequities of the world, you, you really address them and solve them. But what was it about you really diving deep into the education industry and one telling yourself, well, there's a problems that I want to solve here and use my skills and expertise to address? Yeah, I got I got passionate about that just because, um, you know, I think with education, a lot of us, we all we all experience it as a consumer, right? As yeah. A, high school student where a lot of us go to college and we have experiences and we sign up for these online courses online. And so we, we're always experienced consumer and, and for most people that experience is not one that's super positive, right? It's um, there's, there's a lot of difficulties and inefficiencies and Mm. um, you you get this sense of like, there's something greater there. And so that was certainly my journey. Um, I actually, my, my thing with education was um, around math, right? So learning math. I, in high school, I got, you get labeled, right? So I got, yeah. labeled, I wasn't a math guy. Yeah. And I definitely wasn't a math guy either. <laughs> label, right? so, so because I embraced that label and then I went through college and I, and I said, I, I avoided every class that had, was quantitative. Mm. Until I said, I'm going to be an econ major. So I had to learn it. So I, I took four calculus classes in uh, four semesters in a row. I paid, I paid a tutor. Wow. I had, I had no chance of passing that class, Tim. But I paid a tutor, and he was great. The tutor was wonderful. He taught me. He, he explained things very well. He, yeah. really took, he took time to explain it. And that's when I realized it's a lot about the teacher. It's not about me. Mm. It's the system I was didn't afford me the opportunity to learn, and so when I when I when I had that experience, I actually started to love math, and I started to become like kind of a math nerd. I was yeah. 21 years old. I was I was like wondering, man, what could have been, what could my path been like if I would have learned this earlier? 
Yeah. So you actually realized you had a love for it, but it was really the, the system in which you were being taught that caused you to perceive that you weren't capable of being good at math or that you weren't really good enough. Exactly. The way that it was taught didn't match my learning style. And, and then mm. so there, and, that, and I just fell through the cracks in that system. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think it's fascinating, too, because often, you know, we are. A, we we kind of put these labels and limitations on ourselves that society is often showering showering us with, yeah. and you know I, I think that really segues well into leadership too, right? Yeah. Like oh you're not a leader or you need to follow this type of leadership um, style. And one of the things that I, I I realize is that we see bad leaders because they were taught by or they've worked with bad leaders. So I, I really want to ask you, you know, when did you kind of start this journey? Or how would you describe Zen leadership? Zen leadership. Yeah, so just for, for the broad audience, I'll just take a step back and kind of define just Zen and um, what that word means. And uh, then I'll, I'll talk about the leadership. But, you know, Zen, Zen is a word now that we use, like, just in, in, in the U.S. It just means, I think to me when I hear that, it means, like, chill or, <laughs> you know what I mean, or minimal. Yeah. But the origins obviously come from from Zen Buddhism, which is a, a, a school of Buddhism. Uh, and to me, that's the the simplest version of what that what that means is um, understanding one's own mind and the mm. work that right. And and that's kind of the num the one sentence version up for me. Again, and I'm not an expert, but. Um, and then you get into things like how do you show up in the world and how are you compassionate towards others? How do you, um, how do you uh, release like thoughts that are, that are difficult for you? Those are some of the things that you go over in Zen. And to, I mean, so the fundamental truth of, of Buddhism is that, right. Uh, you know, the four noble truths is life is suffering, but I actually don't, I don't really think of it that way. I don't, I don't, I think of the tenant as um, life is stressful. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's the better way to look at it. And, 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 and I think that one place that I think everyone would agree that life is stressful is work. Right. Work is <laughs> easily. Right. right? <laughs> it is, man. And uh, that's and, and, and I know that. And, and so when we say that, right, then we can move into, OK, how do we how do we given that work is so stressful and hard? Yeah. How, do, how do we deal with it? How do what do we bring to it? And so I think Zen leadership then is, um, you know, when you get into it more is, is the, the practice of that and all that that entails. And there, there's some other ways to think about it as well. But for me, that's the, the basic. No, I love that. You, you know, it's, it's so funny, right? Because I, I, you know, there's a lot of principles of Zen leadership that I try to bring into my work mm -hmm. and in terms of my leadership style. And the thing is that often people think Zen leadership is just a, a let's say it's a destination, but really it's always a work in progress, right? Like it's, it's, you're, you're always working on your Zen. It's not something that you uh, achieve. There's no milestones to it. It's more so how do you continue to grow in understanding of yourself, your mind, and, you know, um, one, not not your, your external reality, right? But more so you and how, what you can control. And, and so that continuous improvement mindset, you can bring it to yourself and also bring it to your work. The fact that the work is never really done either. And, you know, I want to talk, I want to ask you, because there's so many people right now who are stressed due to what's currently going on. Um, the pandem pandemic that they're facing, 
the fact that they're probably being overworked because they're scared they're going to lose their job. You know, how do they start embodying um, their Zen or how do they kind of like find balance in all of this chaos? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm careful about things sounding like a recommendation because everyone yeah. has a situation and in my situation is one that um, is different than everyone else's. Right. But I have some kind of things that people can think about. Right. And, and certainly, certainly no advice, but certainly things people can think about. So one, one thing is this idea, and this, this is transcends the moment that we're in. This is for any time of life is think about there are these different minds that we bring to work, right? And that's, that means that we, whatever's going on in our mind is, is an internal reality, but then that's always going to come out with what we're doing, right? So some of the minds, some of the, there's kind of roughly speaking, the good ones and the bad ones. The bad ones would be like anxious mind, mm. um, grasping mind, um, attack, being attached, right? So if I'm attached... If I if I have uh, if I'm feeling super afraid of losing my job, I have an attachment to that job. Now I get it. That's we all have we all have to make money, so that's a reasonable thing. But the question is, is does that serve you if you have that attachment? Yeah, those are some of the negative minds that we have to kind of just watch and 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 understand. The positive minds that we bring to work are uh, there's three of them, and my teacher Mark Lesser, um, who I'll talk about later. Uh, taught me this, but number one is is joyful mind. Mm. So what is so joyful mind is the idea that you can it's not you cannot find joy in your work. You have to mm. you have to bring joy to your work, right? Ooh, oh, dive deep on that, Michael. That's that's powerful. And shout out to Megan who says yeah. she follows my joyous zen. So she actually is already kind of resonating with your with your words, man. So what do you mean by that? You have to bring joy to your work. Well, what I mean, Tim, is, you know, you, is that the, when you have the right mindset, mm. then the work, then any work that you do can be joyful. Mm. Dishes can be joyful. You know that there's that show Dirty Jobs with my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've seen it. You, you see, you find people who are very high, who have very high levels of contentment. Yeah. Their, some of them are, might be doing janitorial work. Mm. So that just proves that it's more about the mindset you have towards work. Are you grateful for what it brings to you? Are you do you connect to the value of what you're actually doing? Mm. Um, so that's what I mean by joyful mind is, is that you have to it's the understanding that you have to bring that joy and presence to what you're doing and not expect it to bring it to you. That's why I think, you know, our generation, it's all about following your passion. That's why I think that's misguided advice. That's mm. yeah. So that's the joyful mind. Grandmother mind, I think this is the most important for leaders. Um, so if, or, or just, it's important for everyone, but spe specifically leaders. Grandmother mind is what I would call kind mind. It's, this, it's the feeling of tending to what's around you with a place of love, right? Mm. So if you, if you work with customers, it's about how can you put them, how can you put them first and, work, and always try to think first about how to benefit them versus what you're going to gain other yeah. than payment or recognition. So grandmother mind, joyful mind. And then the third one is big mind. And big mind is uh, 
some people call it, some people in Zen call it magnanimous mind, but it's this, it's the mind of mind of openness, right? It's how yeah. it's that feeling of when you're, you're in, you're in a project and you're in the weeds and then yeah. you, take, you can get perspective and take a step back. Right. So it's, it's, to me, it kind of reminds me of beginner's mind as well, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit broader. It's about being in the vastness of, of what you can, what you can do. So those are kind of, and you can Google those. And if you, again, if you look up Mark Lesser, I'm just repeating what he said. I, I don't, you know, I'm not an expert here. Um, those are some, some ways to just begin to relate to your work differently. Yeah, no, I love that. So grandmother mind, joyous mind. And what was that last one? Uh, big mind. And big mind. Man, no, that's, that's no, I, and I think though, it's, you. I love how you say it's a mindset thing. It's not just a, 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 it's 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 something that you have to change in terms of your attitude. Like, what's the mindset you're bringing to your work? So, shout out to Megan who says, "Please interview Mike Rowe, especially about trades, veterans, ex-cons." I would love to have Mike Rowe on the show, Megan. Please reach out to him for me and let him know that the Unleashing the Future of Work community is a movement. Um, shout out to Hafiz as well, who says Castle. He's watching. He's tuning in from Castle Hills, um, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Nija Way. Uh, so he's Nigerian, similar to I. Shout out to you, Hafiz. You are awesome, my friend. So, you know, it, Hafiz is feeling you, man. He's saying that is deep. And I think we're about to even go a layer deeper. You know, I want to ask you, Michael, you know, you kind of just gave us these three minds, right, for us to think about, um, to practice in our work. You know, you know, what are the other practices that you think Zen leaders do that allow them to maintain their Zen? Yeah, totally. Um, well, the most, the basic one and the most obvious is, is, uh, meditation and, yeah. and, and Zen it's Zazen. And that, that's an idea that a, a lot of people are going to listen to that and be like, Oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's cliche because it's, pervasive and it's per pervasive because it's a good idea and it works. Right. So that's, yeah. so that's, that's the, the truth there is that that's, it is fundamental. And I think all great leaders have a lot of great leaders have to have a meditation practice. I'm not saying yeah. you have to, but it's something that's, it's to me, it's foundational to everything else that follows. And, it's, mm. and let me re, let me re, let me redefine what meditation is. Yeah, please do. It's just, it's just, watching your own mind yeah. right like our minds are are are, are bonkers like we did by by design right they're not yeah. so we have tim my mind if you came in here for a day man it's crazy <laughs> I'm, doing it. I'm, I'm doing this and then i'm worried about i'm worried about this and then i'm excited about this and then i'm on linkedin and then i'm, on, and then I'm eating and then i'm hungry and then i'm like man yeah outside like that's just the default mind it's not yeah. but you have to then I, and, I, and i'm someone who's very hyper right yeah yeah I have, I have to do these i have to calm myself down right i have mm. to so that's fundamental is number one is uh is mindfulness number two is what i call taking out the trash mm. and this is uh this is just being able to see clearly and the reason that we don't see clearly in work is we're always, we're not, what I mean by seeing clearly is focusing on the work to be done, bringing mm -hmm. attention to it, 
and doing the work well to the best of your ability. We, it's actually pretty hard to just do that because what do we have in, in work? We have coworkers, yeah. we have boss, we got clients. Some of them are mean, some of them are angry. And so we have to, we have all these mental entrapments that end up not being related to work, right? So it's yeah. like half of our energy is spent worrying about this stuff. And you have to, you have to take out the trash, meaning you have to do mental spring cleaning often. Mm to get rid of that. So that's, that's one practice there. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense, man. Yeah. The other one, and this is, this is going to definitely get a little weird for some people, but just let me just float the concept. Okay. So there's a, there's a practice in, in, uh, in, in Buddhism and meditation called uh, metta. And it means Mm -hmm. loving kindness. And it's just, it's like a normal meditation. You just sit there and listen to your thoughts and there's some other ways and, you know, Vipassana following your body sensations, things like this with Metta, you're Mm -hmm. thinking about a person and you're trying to bring, you're trying to cultivate a feeling of love of goodwill. So with your, think about that. What if you could do that? What if you could cultivate that, that intention for your, your boss, Mm. your coworkers, your customers, yeah. and even your competitors, right? Wow. That sounds crazy. But so I'm not saying not everyone's going to go and light candles and sit in the room and pray for their competitors. But, <laughs> but, but, but how about this as a simple version? Simple version of this. Try this. If you have to think about someone who's a difficult person that you work mm-hmm. with. And on the way into work, just for five minutes. And I know we all have difficult people that we work with. You know, Kimberly yeah. saying what's up. Hello, Renee saying what's up. Everyone has someone difficult that they work with. So people are feeling what you are saying right now, Michael. Please continue. I mean, dude, it might be like honestly, it might be you might a lot of people feel like everyone they work with is difficult. That's, a, <laughs> so that's at intense. least one person. At least one person. If it's your boss, that's yeah. that's very difficult. It's so it's difficult. True. But try this. Just try this. Is how, what if you're on the bus to work, you're on the subway, whatever. Now I guess you're sitting, you know, it doesn't work right now, but just in the morning, right? Think about that person and just think about them outside of work. Okay, they have a family, they have kids. They're doing their best, right? Their, their best might be very annoying, but yeah, doing their best. And just try to spend a little bit of time cultivating that goodwill. And then just see how the next interaction with that person goes. Is it because our interactions with people were in patterns? I know you're 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 my bad boss. I know what you're gonna do. I know what you're gonna say. I know you're mm. gonna do this. You gotta break free from those patterns. Mm. Man, this is amazing what you're what you're sharing because you know I've had a lot of people on our on our on our podcast, but you know this is a real the first time we're really talking deep about Zen leadership, and I think now more than ever people need these mindsets and these practices because there's so much chaos going in the world. And I, what I love about what you just mentioned is the fact that there's patterns that we are picking up from, let's say, our daily work habits or bad interactions that we have with people we work with that we often don't take out the trash on, or we don't sometimes even just meditate on and say like, you know, how do I feel about it? And, you know, what can I do to ensure that maybe I stop feeling this way or that the next time I have this interaction with this person, that I'm more mindful of how I show up in the conversation and how I let they, how I let them affect me. And it's powerful. It's powerful concept, but it's, it really just goes back to this idea of self-awareness, I believe, and just, and reflection. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. Self-awareness. And that's the thing is you have to, you have to understand that it's all relationships are two ways and, mm. and every relationship is unique, right? In terms Yo. of that same, that boss, that's a real, a real jerk. They might have a good relationship with somebody below them. So is it, is it you? I'm just saying you ask the question. There, there are bad bosses out there. Yeah. But if you think about what is my role in this, because yeah. what we do is what we do is we learn. We, this is just us humans. We learn how to push each other's buttons. Wow. If I if I don't have a fully trusting relationship with you as a boss, I'm going to try to at some point. I might be trying to push your buttons. This is subconscious, right? Mm. So you have to really understand. You have to think about how do these people around you. How do you, how, what do they bring inside of you? So by the way, Tim, the reason I got into, into Zen was that I was angry at work and I was, I had a boss who was difficult and Mm. what I found was I, a lot of the anger was, was within me. Mm. He did all this stuff. He did, you know, he was, he was a rough guy to work with, but a lot of the anger was within me and I had all these entrapments and expectations about, you know, huge, I had to be perfect. And I had, I, Hey, here's another one. I had to impress that guy. I yeah. want, I, I needed his validation so much. So mm. I'm a little bit deep here, but I know it's because I know that a lot of people are feeling these things. No, uh, dude, you're speaking to the, to the choir in terms of people are really resonating with what you're saying right now. Roti me is joining us from London. Shout out to Roti me. Megan saying, Mike, did you take classes in Buddhist art with professor Kevin Carr at Ann Arbor? <laughs> Because she's a UM alum, I believe. No, I would love to. Would love to. If, that, if, that person, if that person could like connect with me, or I would love to look at that. That's that would be amazing. I wish I would have taken that class. Megan, Megan, he would love a referral. Shout out to you for making a connection. Wrote to me saying we must always clean out our minds of the information which has now become irrelevant. Leadership is all about getting new information which is relevant and up to date. I love that. I love that. What are your thoughts on that, Michael? What's your takeaways? Leadership is always about getting new information. That's all. Yeah, yep. Which is relevant and up to date. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, and that goes back to pulling away the trash because you have to get rid of the assumptions of what always worked. Mm. We develop these we, we become dogmatic about our work, especially those of us who really care about our work, right? In terms of, yeah. like, I don't know the product world, you, but you, you know what I'm talking about, like, oh, Re- React is the best, or like, <laughs> yeah. never ever use like Python or something. Like in marketing, it's all about the fun, it's all about the fun, <laughs> right? Like, like try to true principles, yeah. You become, it's so easy to become dogmatic because all that means is I did something once, it worked for me, yeah. And, and I want to, I want it to work because I want to succeed. And so yeah. I, I'm attached to this thing that used to work. But dude, those things that worked, the cycle of that now is like three months. It's like yeah. not even three years anymore. It's like things turn over so quickly. So yeah. It's so true. Being, it's being so true. and relevant is, is critical. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I'm currently working on a book called The Seven Habits of Dynamic Leadership. And, you know, it's I think to 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 Rotimi's point, which you just mentioned, it's like I think there's there's now you have to be dynamic with your Zen. Right. Like because things are always constantly changing. Your context is changing. And even for me, in terms of the, the work that I'm doing with guide and, and the people that I work with and I'm always constantly learning from or, you know, looking to, to collaborate with. It's like you, you you kind of always have to realize that 
things won't be the same. And you have to bring a beginner's mindset to every conversation you have. So, you know, Michael, I, I want to go deep, even deeper with you, man, and ask you, you know, why do you believe it's so hard for leaders to find and maintain their Zen? Okay, so I think that in terms of why it's so hard, I think it's just fundamentally, it's just a demanding world, right? Yeah. Like even if no matter what you case, so you could be managing three people, you could be managing 10, 20, you know, in terms of direct reports, sometimes you'll have 200 people under you. Okay, yeah. so, so that, what do you have? You have pressure on yeah. ambiguity. And mm. I think ambiguity is one of the big things because we're in this, this environment of, you know, of, of the digital era where things change fast. There's a lot of noise. And I think the ambiguity is something that ero it erodes your internal strength as a leader over time. Yeah. If you don't take breaks and reset often, that kind of stuff will erode you because with ambiguity, your mind's always you can't fully figure it out. So your mind's, it's like your mind's always running in the background, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes a hundred percent. I already talked about the dogma thing. This is just the fact that it's like a built-in cycle where we try something uh, in our careers, it works. Mm. I think it's the best thing ever. It becomes part of us. And then we can't step aside from that, right? We can't. So as leaders, that's super critical. Um, I think a lot of leaders are, are struggle to balance, um, you know, the different aspects of management, right? Like the pure, there's the purely data side, which is like, make, you know, how are you, how are you tracking your goals? Yeah. And then there's the, then there's the soft side of how are you feeling at work? How are you, are you, are you bringing this joy to work? Are you engaged? Right. Yeah. It's hard to do all of that. Well, um, and then, and then it's just, it's just the challenges of life. Like you have, if you, if you are busy and stressed all the time, you go from like, it's like you go to, you go on a vacation, you feel great for like two days. And then three days later, you're back and you're stressed and you kind of get into that place. So it's just difficult to balance all those things, man. And that's why mm. I, I, I think being a leader in any form, no matter how small is, is difficult. Yeah, man, it's really stressful. I, I think now that the world is uh, remote first right now, you know, even though I don't think this is going to be the norm long term, I, be, I believe we're more so moving towards a more flexible work environment where people will eventually be able to go back into an office, but they won't be required to be in that office for nine to five throughout. Right in a remote oriented world, we're seeing that it's going to even be harder for leaders who don't know how to lead with Zen and who can't give trust, right? Who, 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 who can't just say, like, I trust you, I will work with you, and more so facilitate to the collective wisdom of our, of our team. That's actually a huge point. Can we talk about that point? Yeah, let's talk about it, man. Okay. So I think, I think you're talking about is the changing role of a manager with this world, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, in terms yeah. of your remote team, what, say more about what you said there. Man, honestly, man, it's just trust. Like, it really goes back to trust and, and realizing I think now leaders are going to have to be more vulnerable in a remote oriented world, right? And I, vulnerability 
you know, shout out to Brene Brown, which I who I who I, I love some of her her wisdom around this is that vulnerability is not a weakness; it's a strength in a sense of like I don't have all the answers, but look, we we'll figure it out together, right? And for me, in 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 my book, I, you know, I'm really phrasing this chapter as leading with we community. You have to be vulnerable when leading with community. When and and, and most importantly, when leading from a distance, right? It, it's so funny because I I had a friend you know tell me that there was a CEO at a company when the entire workforce had to go remote. He actually got mad at his organization. And he, he got mad at the fact that they were transitioning to this remote um, oriented work policy because he's like, that's not true. No one can re- work remote. They're not doing work from their homes. When he himself is always traveling, he's leading a remote organization already. Like he's never, he's never really on site. Right. And you can just tell that that's a display of bad leadership. And it's a com- complete incongruence between how he's living, but also his his level of the level of trust that he's giving to his organization. You get what I'm saying? And and I think that like we're gonna start seeing a lot of leaders fail, which means that their companies will fail because they don't know how to grasp and and really kind of like build and lead organizations that are remote oriented. But also, you're leading an organization in a time of chaos such as this. And beyond this, I think from an innovation and a market standpoint, we're only gonna see we're only gonna continue to see change. So this ability for you to be vulnerable, to give trust first and just listen more than you speak is going to be essential. What are your thoughts, man? No, I love what you're saying. I think it's, I think it's spot on. Um, it's a couple of things that I've seen is, is the, the remote work thing you're talking about is a, a huge thing. I mean, the trust dynamics and all that. I mean, the reality is if you don't, if you can't trust someone to work effectively from home, then, then why are you why are you hiring that person? Why are you true? Right? I mean, and, and by the way, Tim, I've heard about companies have been there's been huge demand for the there's software that can analyze your click patterns and make sure you're working. Yeah, I hate that. I yeah. do. Maybe I'm idealistic. Maybe there's a use case for that. I don't know. I know that I know that employers and people can both be opportunistic. It's not it's not one side, right? Yeah. Um, or dishonest, but I don't, I just, I, I can tell you that that just, I don't like that at all as, as far as a trend in the future of work, employee surveillance, it's not the right direction. At um, all. It's actually kind of sickening. Yeah, I'm not into that. Um, you know, the other thing that came to mind is this notion of a player coach versus a manager. Mm, talk to us a little bit about that, man. I love that. Yeah. So I think this is going to be the future of work really, which is the manager managing 5, 10, 15, 20 people, and they're just, they're just a dashboard jockey refreshing the dashboards, telling people what to do, the, the pure orchestrator. I don't think that's going to work anymore. Mm. Uh, I think that people who show up that way as managers will be made obsolete and, and mm. they will not maintain their positions. What the model is going to be is a player coach model where, okay, so I'm the manager of the team, meaning I'm the most senior, I'm mm. the most knowledgeable in this domain but like think about an engineering manager i know three languages i got people on my team who know certain certain languages imagine i'm actually there's a project where my team is leading it and i'm i'm the individual contributor so i'm I'm playing that role on a a certain engagement yeah Um, or just in general like i spend 10 20 30 percent of my time doing the same work as my teammates on the ground level. Mm. 
Um, right. It's like, cause, cause when you manage, sometimes you have that, you do develop that insecurity of I've gotten rusty cause now I'm just managing. Yeah. But I think that that's not going to work anymore. I think you need to, people need to be getting in the weeds with their rank and file. Now, if you're a VP of sales and you manage a thousand people, you might not be able to do the job of everyone on your team, but, <laughs> but still you see, yeah. and that's that player coach mindset. Yeah, and, and even if if not even tactically doing the work, tactically inspiring, motivating, you know, supporting, um, you know, understanding when okay, be mindful of like this person's being burnt out because a, a actual coach, you know, and I I I was a I was a New England Patriots fan for quite some time, and then I just stopped watching the NFL in general just because I don't watch TV like that anymore. But a, a, a good coach is just always on the sidelines watching things unfold and saying, you know what, you're kind of hot right now, but you just hurt your leg. So let's bring you, let's take you out of the, uh, the, 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 the game or, you know what, you know, we're, we're kind of failing here. So let's, let's pivot the strategy. What are your thoughts on this? Or do you have a suggestion? It's like you're a thought partner in a sense. And I, I love how you're talking about this player coach model because it's very Zen, right. In terms of, of leading, because uh, when I think about ideally a Zen leader, it's someone that's more so of a guide than yeah. versus a dictator. Yes. Yeah. So I want to show love to our amazing community who is really feeling what you're saying, Michael. And I, I think I would love for you to share your thoughts with them. So Megan is saying trust needs to start with the leader. Why not trusting? Is that personal? Do you think that leaders don't give trust because it of personal reasons? Um. I haven't thought about this super recently, but I, to be honest, Tim, I don't know that I have any like super mm. thoughts to share here. I'm just going to yeah. be transparent and, sh and share that. No, that's real, man. That's real. Sometimes we don't always have the answer, man. I love that you're being transparent about that. I think some people always think they have to have an answer for a question, but that's good, man. I appreciate you, brother. So mm -hmm. Hafiz is saying communication plus trust equals better decisions. How do you feel about that? I think it's 100% true. Yeah. And communication's huge. How do you communicate? Um, the, the very, there's this, the kind of Zen philosophy of communication is uh, nonviolent communication. It's a different mm. one, but I'm saying in our context, that's a good discipline to look at. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we, a lot of our business culture is, is violent, right? It's about. Oh, so violent. <laughs> so violent, man. Dude, yeah, I could go off on a whole tangent on this. <laughs> but it's like, so we like, because of that, like, we just communicate with each other violently. Like, yeah, it's the like norm. direct reports. Yeah. Right? Bosses, like all of these, all of these words are very violent words. They, they don't have any positive connotation. Yeah. Like you like little, like you feel like threatened at times when like <laughs> someone says like, a Slack message and you feel like scared and, and like you feel these negative emotions in the workplace. And yeah. a lot of it's because of the way that we communicate. Sometimes we're, sometimes it's not just using the wrong language, but it's also um, not being clear enough. Like my yeah. big lesson um, as a, my, my recent role as a sales manager, man, I could, I could tell the things that I messed up. I could, I could talk to you for another hour, but um, the biggest thing for me was the difference between like, you know, being direct and then this idea of ruinous empathy where mm. you come from a place of wanting to be kind and gentle to a person that you manage and you end up hurting them because you're not giving them the feedback that 
hey, it's very simple. Here's our expectation. Yeah. You're not there. That's simple. But that's but you owe people that clarity. And if mm-hmm. you don't feel confident about if you feel insecure about giving that, that's on you as a leader. So that's something that I've had to learn. Yeah, no, that's powerful, mm-hmm. man. That's super powerful, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So Tom is saying if you have a supervisor that believes in you and will fall on a sword for you, that's a great way to build trust. Shout out to you, Tom. 100% agree with that. Megan says another definition of coaching is less directive. Ask guiding questions. Let's coaches lead themselves as well as others. Really great point there, Megan. Any thoughts on that, Michael? I love that. Yeah. So like asking the right questions and having that be trying to instill like autonomy in the person versus directives, right? I yeah. think I think there's a combination of directives and guidance and autonomy building. It kind of depends on the org, but no, I think that, I mean, that's kind of the Holy grail, right? Is if you can yeah. get to a place, if you can manage from a place of that, well, and if it works, that's wonderful. Cause that means that your people are bought in. That means that you've built, you've built the skill sets to where they can be autonomous and they, they trust you and they're motivated and positive. So that's kind of the, the, yeah. Standard, yeah, that's huge. That's huge. You know, if someone took the blame for you, would you trust them? Someone took the blame for me, would I trust them? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Great not, right? Without more, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it, right? I think that's uh, that sounds like something that would be a trust building behavior. Yeah. So it's obviously saying if we know that our supervisor has genuinely enjoys interacting with us and is 100% about our personal growth and development, then even if they critique or correct us, we are going to actually love and accept that feedback because they know it's coming from a loving, caring, and growth-oriented space. I love that. I, I love, love that. Yeah. Tom, shout out to you, man. Tom is a, a frequent viewer, and he's really, really cool. He just sent me this awesome deck on soul architecture. I might have to send it to you, Michael. You'll probably love it. So, you know, you know, I, I want us to cap off things, and I want to ask you, Michael, you know, if you have one or two practical tips, you know, as we live in dire and chaotic times, I believe we're going to push through this pandemic that we're all going through. What are a few things that you believe, you know, we can do to manage our stress and just remain focused on our joy, I believe? Yeah. So mostly looking for mostly during this time, what can we do? Yeah. What can we do, man? Yeah. So I think that there are, there are kind of two camps on this. There's some people who think that this is a time you got to be in spiritual boot camp. You got to be <laughs> like, this is the time, right? Like this is their time to re- reinvent the world. And then there's some people who are like, yo, you need to just like, whatever you need to do to survive this time, like, if you yeah. want to do the bare minimum, do that. Yeah. I, I, I think it's completely a choice. But if you want to, if you want to do some work right now that can help you moving forward, I have some recommendations. I have, I have a few. One is, this is very simple, prioritize sleep, food, and exercise over everything else. Mm. If you do that, you're going to allow the rest of your life to have, you, you have the chance of, of being coming from a good place. Mm. Now here's my second thing is don't, you don't have to go to a 10 day retreat, but spend some time just quietly thinking about what you need, right? Yeah. What do I need right now? Is it, do I need more connection? Do I need less connection? Mm. Do, I need, do I need to read more? Do I need to disconnect completely? So just ask yourself what you need 
And one thing that I did, so that's two, ask yourself what you need. Number three is um, what the one thing, the one project that I've done in the last month that's been like incredibly helpful is around my getting my digital space cleaned up. Wow. It's been huge. Dude, it's taken so long. I'm talking about email, <laughs> my to-do list, yeah. blogs. I'm, I'm, dude, it's – we can, maybe we'll do another podcast on this. <laughs> it's insane. We have yeah. crap that comes into our lives, dude. Yeah, yeah. You literally, have to, you literally have to clean that up and take out the trash and curate it. You have to curate yeah. the digital workplace. It will, produce, it will take a lot of time. It will take five to ten hours of unsubscribing, creating filters. I'll, I'll, we'll talk more about what to do there. No, that's powerful. It's worth looking at that, right? Cause then you're going to get, you're going to get, that's what I'm talking about getting clear. Mm. So I did that and it, it was a lot of work, but I feel much clearer now. So. Yeah. I love that, Michael. I love that. So, you know, make sure you clean up your digital workspace. Right. To clean up your digital environments. Right. And I love that because it is the time for spring cleaning. Right. And it most importantly, focus on what do you need right right now? Do you need more connection? Do you need more time for introspection? And also, lastly, prioritize food. Right. I think you mentioned food, water and exercise. Right. So really, are you giving yourself the basic needs that you need to survive right now and push through this? And that keeps you focusing um, holistically, right? Mental health, I think, is important as well. So, you know, with that said, Michael, you know, where can the people connect with you and, you know, see all of the great work that you're doing in terms of your business and probably even latch on to some of this wisdom that you have on Zen leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Well, people can, everyone should connect with me on LinkedIn. They're... <laughs> I think my handle is MCM2013, but yeah, Michael Myrano, M-A-I-O-R-A-N-O. Um, I'll have a website built for my business in the next couple weeks. So, but it'll, but LinkedIn's probably going to be the best way uh, as a starting point. Um, and if if anyone found this uh, these topics interesting, I'm gonna I have a whole library of stuff I can share with you know because again I didn't come up with this stuff. I've just embraced it from other thinkers. So I'd be, I'd be happy to point people towards the source that I, that I copied. <laughs> Your sources. Yeah. And please, if you love this live online episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, please share it with your network and tag Michael and I on this episode or tag what you learned. He shared a lot of different gems on this episode that I believe everyone will appreciate and should appreciate. And more importantly, if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Unleashing the Future of Work live online, a guide podcast, check out utfow.com, utfow.com, if you're interested in being a guest or sponsoring. And I want to also have one last plug. I'm doing an awesome course with my good friend, John Marty. We are helping people break into big tech, um, find remote jobs on breakintobigtech.com. So if you're interested and being a part of our Break Into Big Tech movement and being a part of our second cohort of amazing students who we're going to help them change their lives, go to breakintobigtech.com. And once again, y'all, this has been UTFOW, A Guide Podcast. And shout out to Michael for being an amazing guest and really blessing us with all of his wisdom. Once again, if you're interested in connecting with him, connect with him on LinkedIn, and he will be setting up a website for his business soon. Michael, what are your parting words 
for our amazing community, man. Um, I just hope everyone can take care of themselves right now and, and find like, you know, whatever inspiration they can. And, and if you're not feeling inspired, that's fine too. It's okay. You don't have to be, it's very reasonable not to be right now with the way the world is. Last thing I wanted to say is Tim, you, you are good, dude, you are a good example of a lot of this stuff. You really oh, thanks, are. man. <laughs> you bring anyone who's ever met Tim in person. It's, it's a great experience. This guy radiates energy in a way that's really inspiring. <laughs> um, and Tim, you, Grandma Mind, you, I mean, you really care. Like in the mentors yeah. East community, you really care for people. And yeah. you, I know that that leads like a lot of the work you do. So I want to applaud you on that. And thanks, man. I appreciate that, brother. My friend. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, Michael, for the recognition, brother. You are awesome, man. And shout out to Megan. Her last word for the day is health, mental, and physical cleaning of relationships creates clarity right like i love that that is that's what leads to clear and clarity megan you are absolutely right shout out to you and tom thank you for plugging in utfow.com in the comments with that said you all thank you so much for tuning in thank you michael for being an amazing guest today peace love and i will talk to you tomorrow peace <laughs>